whatever you got going on in your life, whatever is hurting you, whatever that guy, that guy that pissed you off the other day, the whatever in traffic, anything in family, anything with your significant other or your cars in the shop, you know, all that stuff is very small because at the end of the day, you know, it's just you, you got your stuff to worry about. So for a new week, it's a new you. You can't think about stuff last week. You can you cannot hold on to that shit. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks Podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. Much love. One last thing before we get into today's episode. A lot of people ask how they can support the podcast. Well, I have a couple easy ways. The first way is just listen and subscribe. And another thing you can do is go follow the Roughnecks podcast on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube as well. If you get something out of today's show, then do me a favor, share it with a friend. If you really want to go above and beyond to support the podcast, then head over to roughneckspodcast.com and get you some of that merch. I appreciate all of the support, but let's get into today's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. We are on to episode 101. I know I said I'm going to stop saying what episode it is, but I know for a fact that this is episode 101. We are over the hump of 100, which is crazy to think that we are over 100 episodes. So I just want to say thank you again, even though episode 100 was me saying thank you to all the listeners, all to my guests and uh, everything like that. But uh, the limited edition stickers as of now are still out. Uh, You can go get those. There's only I don't know how many are left, but there's only a handful left. So go get them. There were only there was only 15 made, and 15 will sell. And then once they sell out, they're sold out. But um, joining me today, I had some uh, I had someone I met back way back in high school. But uh, just to kind of kick it off, Jared Corn, welcome to the Roughnecks podcast. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we uh, <clears throat> actually just had a little bit of a mix up. We. Uh, I thought you we were going to do this in person, but I had to cancel on you twice and we were kind of both really busy. And then I was I texted you said, are you allergic to cats? And you uh, kind of thought that that was a weird question, but I thought we were doing it in person. It's easier to hook, go back to Zoom than it is to go from Zoom down to in person. So uh, but it was kind yeah. of a little bit of a mix up. You, you sent that message and I, I thought I already told you like, yeah, I got I like I what we were supposed to do this last Thursday and I was in town for what in Ohio for a wedding. But I had to come back down to Georgia for uh, I had work all this past week. And you asked me that question. And I was just I didn't even put it together. I just like that's a weird question. And I was and I thought, oh, it's just something he's probably asking for the podcast it's to get info on me. But then I was like, wait a minute, he probably thinks we're doing it in person. <laughs> you said you can bring you can bring beer, you can bring anything you want. So I was like, OK, I no, over Zoom. But I, I would much, I, I told you earlier, I would much rather prefer to do it in person. But 
you know, got to do what you got to do sometimes. Yeah. I just, like I said, I, we talked about off the air. I just started doing in-person episodes. These in-person episodes are awesome, but I'll never, um, zoom has definitely come in handy. I would have never knew about it if it wasn't for COVID, but, uh, cause that's how I had a lot of classes to finish up my college career, but you know, zoom's definitely come in handy and it's nice to still be able to have conversations with people. Even if like I've had people conversations with people in California and you're in Georgia and stuff like that. Right when I, right when COVID kicked off in, uh, in early 2020, that was my last semester of college. So yeah, every, every, the whole, my, my last half semester of college was all over Zoom. So it was like, you know, all the projects and papers, you know, they weren't really sticklers about anything. They were just like, let's just get this semester out of the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mine, it kicked in my junior, the the end of my junior year. And then I had that one final year, which was kind of hybrid where I had in person and I had, you know, on zoom, but the, definitely the in zoom, they weren't sticklers. They were just like, let's just do this. Like they're all open note quizzes because in tests, cause like, how am I going to be able to tell if you cheat or not? So, yeah, um, exactly. but just yeah, to kind of, they, okay. they said for these exams, you know, they can tell, you know, if you have a, uh, another window open, but you know, you can just be right here on your phone, Googling yeah. is that so I guess, <laughs> I mean, for, for all being honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I printed off the uh, the slideshows because they'd send us the PowerPoint. I'd just print them off and be like, well, you can't tell if I have that. So, um, but just Dude, to it, kick it, off, it is. Yeah. Just to kick off the episode, kind of give a background for the listeners who don't know who you are. Just kind of tell us who Jared Gorm is. Well, um, from Ohio, went to Watkins. Um, Graduated from there in 2013, played football, uh, wrestled for two years and did track and field for two years. But I played football all throughout. Uh, Joined the military right after I was uh, Air Force and I was a firefighter. I did that for six years and while still going to school and uh, working. And uh, I got out in 2019 and now and I moved to Georgia in October 2020 to pursue the stuntman career full time. So this, this is where I am now. You know, I started all that up in Cleveland and uh, right when I got back from overseas in early 2018. And so I did that for a little bit, you know, up there. But, there, you know, there's really not a market for film like an entertainment career in Cleveland and in Ohio in general, you know, two, three films a year. But I'm glad I started up there. It gave me good experience to when I, you know, came down here, you know, it's much more competitive down, you know, in Atlanta where it's new Hollywood, but pretty easy going. You know, I, I, I can cross this off. I can cross this off the bucket list. I never thought I'd get asked to do a podcast. So this is pretty cool. I have a lot of people say that and it's like, cause a lot of people are like so thankful that I have them on. I'm like, I, I don't think you understand. Like I'm, I think I'm more thankful than you. Cause like, if it wasn't for my guests, like this wouldn't, I feel like this wouldn't be a great podcast. Cause I mean, honestly, who wants to just listen to me? So it's kinda, it's fun to get a bunch of, and especially when you have, you know, some people who you might not think some of the people that I'm like, you know, what do they really have to offer? But I'll bring them on not saying it's you, but like I've had people like that and they bring awesome episodes. So you kind of have a mixture and it, it's really fun to like talk to people, have conversations with people and especially people you kind of know, it kind of makes the conversation go real smooth, but yeah. kind of take me through what the decision was like. Why, like, why did you decide, you know what, I'm going to go pursue this career, the stuntman career. Like what was that decision process like? 
basically I had got back from overseas and I, you know, I, you know, life is short, you know, you know, seeing life cut short, something like that. And I was like, you know what? I got back and I felt this independence. I was like, you know what? I want to go for the dream. You know, you got to, you got to go for what you want. You got to be happy. And I always wanted to be an actor as a kid. And I'm always, I'm always quoting movies and always uh, uh, imitating actors and funny scenes and whatnot, but I didn't really think I was cut out for it, you know? So I was, so I did some research. I was like, Oh, the next thing is, you know, stuntman. I was like, I've always been, you know, you know, physical and stuff like that. And, you know, I decided to go for that. So honestly, I just did some uh, Googling when I got back and got a hold of this guy up in Cleveland. He's, he's a small time guy up in Cleveland, one of the stunt coordinators that usually want to film comes to Cleveland for whatever reason, the scenery, the tax incentive that Ohio has, whatever. Uh, he usually gets us, he, he usually is the coordinator of it and brings some of us on for, you know, there's a few people up, there's a team up there. It's called Stunt predators and you know still part of that but you know i've he respected you know the move down here and the, the more but the more i did it up in cleveland all the training uh the, the more i the more i loved them like, man this is this is definitely the life this is the life that i want this is the life i want to go for to fight for and what and i knew it you know so much that you know i love ohio i'm it's, i'm down here in georgia i miss ohio dude i i love it up there it's so much less hustle so much less bustle and uh it's much more competitive down here but it's much like the training down here is way more crisp you know it's every day up there is usually like you know you know maybe once a month you know i still you know had a life and stuff like that and you know finishing school and uh but down here it's it's all it's all business like no one comes to atlanta for tourism or to retire it's all business it's all you know it, it's I'm very and for the work I have received down here I'm very fortunate for all the um the, the longer I've been down here the more I've been like and the people I've met the people I've worked with trained with whatever you know this is the more the I, I used to be um when I first moved down here and even now you know some days I'm like man this has just been rough all this networking all this uh just everything you know because I still you know own my house up north back in Ohio. And I'm just, it, 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 doing that, it makes it very easy to be like, you know what, screw all this. Cause I could just bounce out of Georgia and just come back up to Ohio. But the longer I've been down here, the easier it has gotten, you know, networking and the people and the, knowing the, <clears throat> knowing the land. So basically the more I've been down here, the more I want this and the more comfy I've gotten and, you know, comfortable to be able to call this, you know, a career and working, working towards it very hard. What I like that you kind of just talked about is like you kind of mentioned, you know, like over time, like you you started liking it more, like it became better. And that's kind of like, you know, relating it to something that I know. And it's just like an example that can go to a lot of things. It's like I remember college football, me and uh, actually Kyle Gibson talked about it in episode 99 where we had people quit the first day. And he's like, I had a kid that showed up before the first meeting decided he was going home. And it's like, how do you even know? If this is what you like, like, how do you even know? You have to give things time. You have to actually give it a chance. You can't like just give up. Now everything's not for everybody. Like, you know, you might've like done it for a couple of years and just been like, you know, I don't know if this, this is, isn't what I want to do. Like, and, but that you, at least you gave it a shot. You don't live with that. What if situation mm -hmm. that a lot of people live with, you don't, it is what ifs are almost kind of like a regret in a way. Cause you're sitting there wondering, you keep sitting, wondering what it would have been. And but at least you would know if you give it a shot. 
Yeah, that what if the what ifs will eat the skin off your bones. You got to go for one hundred percent. If you know what it, if you know what you want, and you know you want to fight for it, you can't get discouraged because believe me, in this business, you know you get your hopes up a lot, and you, then you get let down. Uh, turn my phone on silent. You get let down all the time. You know you you hear about this opportunity. You know, and then they're like, oh wait, something changed whatever you're trying to go for the dream, you can't get discouraged too early. You got to exactly what you said. You've got to give it time. And then if you work hard, hard enough towards it, you'll, you'll be there. Another thing you mentioned too, is like the networking. And I feel, I wanted to ask you how important is network networking in your type of business? Dude, it's everything. It is not, you could be the craziest stunt performer. You could throw all those rainbow kicks. You could smash through walls you could be you could be awesome in everything you do but in the entertainment industry it's not what you know it's who you know it's i, and, I feel like that's in a lot of inter- industries really like yes. i feel like that's in, in general in life i feel like like i learned through this podcast that's one of the big reasons i keep going with it too is you know i've got to meet a lot of cool people through this podcast and i've built my network so much to where you know i have people if I need something like a certain type of thing, I can go to this person or I can go to that person. I have different areas I can go to. So it's networking is very key in all areas of life. I feel like. Yes. And it, and it kind of sucks that it's like that because, you know, you, you have the talent and you know, that, that should be enough, but it, it's, it does, it does kind of suck that you have to just know people. You got to always be networking. You know, I'm, I'm not like much of a social person. I'm never like to go out of my way to be social and, you know, friends with everyone and kiss ass. But in this business, you know, that it's kind of, it's kind of a given. You got to be like that. You got to pay your dues. You got to, you got to make yourself known. And that, and it is a very, it's every day. It's an everyday grind doing that. So it's, it's, it's always a project, always something. So what is the schooling or training like to get it, to become a stuntman? Like, what does that exactly consist of? Cause I feel like a lot of people don't really truly understand like what it is. Cause I personally don't exactly know what you would have to go through, or, like what you have to be good at for say, to be able to go and be a stuntman. Yeah. It's say, okay. Stunt performers, you know, we get, we, we come in all shapes and sizes. I know, I know some, uh, like women, for example, who are some biggins, and they they do plenty of stunt performing stuff. Usually, it's not like fight stuff, but it's the simple falls, simple reactions. And when I say reactions, it's like taking a hit, like to the like you do that, mm-hmm. it, like someone punched you, but you you, you just got to have good timing and know. Like I've I've seen it plenty of times. If say you're gonna get punched this way, but people react when they people react like this, so so. You know, um, but it's always it's always nice to bring something to the table. You know, say say I wanted to stay up in Ohio and stay in Cleveland and, you know, do a like use my degree for a career and like a steady income. But I just did, you know, stunts on the side, you know, up there, you know, it's nothing really complicated. You know, there's no there's no like like not like I hear a lot of people say 90 percent of stunts is fight scenes. You got to know how to fight. You got to know how to throw a punch. You got to know how to kick. You got to know some sort of martial art. And the more you learn, you know, the better. But down here in Atlanta, it's much more competitive. You know, every, like there are so many people moving from L.A. to here. So the training, like getting into it, if you have something like, OK, if you're athletic, you know, look at look at me. 
like I look, I've played a cop so many times and I've played, you know, like, like straight white male, you know, that's literally how they say it. So if, if I have that, which, you know, that's not hard, but at the same time, it's, you know, I've been practicing, you know, a lot since I moved down here. I like in boxing, Muay Thai boxing, wrecks, falls, reactions, car hits, you know, and there are some stunt performers I know who are amazing fighters, but they're not heights. They're, they're totally against heights, which I, I've, I didn't know that until I moved down here. And I thought that was crazy. I'm like, I thought that was a, a prerequisite to be a stunt performer is not to be scared of heights, but some people, some people would like back out of it. Like if they, like another guy last year, he backed out of doing something and they called me in because I was the next most similar person to double because I wasn't scared of heights. But uh, your question, like training in it, it's basically get it networking with the right people, networking with all these people and you just train. And a lot of it is fight scenes and doing uh, fight choreography, which basically is your, like you, take a fight scene in a movie, any movie that's ever had a fight scene that was choreographed by stunt performers or a stunt coordinator. And you just roll through a stunt scene one after the other and, and fight scenes, they're not my favorite thing to do. They're very stressful because if you're, if you're that one guy, like if you're say the camera is over here, <clears throat> you got to be able to throw the punch to make it look like you hit the person. But if you, had, you were too shallow on the hit and it just, you tell on camera completely misses you messed it all up and it's only that one thing but there's so many moving parts to it so uh knowing knowing good people and having you know good trainers and you know that's that's where uh like what it takes you know to be training in stunts it's it's every day have you ever had somebody actually punch somebody like i feel like that kind of happens from time to time where you're trying you almost get too close and you just cock him right in the freaking face yes up in cleveland i didn't deck the guy but i accidentally we were just rehearsing i said oh and he was like just he wasn't looking but he was just turning back to look at us and i accidentally like kind of like that hard you know it wasn't anything but uh, a few months ago we were training and the guy man he hit me right in the temple he hit he and he smacked me too and i and i wasn't mad you know shit happens and sometimes but I haven't seen that guy since, you know, he humbled himself and cause all of us were like, dude, what the heck? And then another guy is my bruise still pretty, well, my bruise is pretty much gone. I had a huge bruise on my leg a few weeks ago. We were doing a, a sword fight, we were, you know, choreographing. So we had like these bamboo swords and whatnot. And the dude, he like the last third of every swing he would do. This guy was new. I had never met him before. Obviously he had never done swords. So they just, he, we just needed a, a body to fill. You know, they were like, it's simple what you're doing. Just don't go hundred percent. But man, he took that bamboo sword. He smacked me right on the side of the leg, which was what was supposed to happen, but he full force. And I felt it. I went so hard and I just looked at him, you know, like, Oh my God. I still, again, I wasn't mad. It happens, you know, he, I didn't want to like be that. I didn't want to be that dick. You know, I've seen other people get humbled and get locked up like when someone else is pissed, but I've never been the guy to, you know, especially if I don't know you, I'm not going to get upset just because I don't want to come off of a dick. Mm-hmm. So I understood, I understood it. You know, I was just like, man, you know, chill. And, uh, and then again, he humbled himself. I haven't seen him since, so, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it, that happened. That happens a lot. It's say, say this guy who wants to be or guy or girl 
wants to be a stunt performer and they get invited to training, you know, we train at a lot of gymnastic centers or parkour centers or at parks, you know, just wherever, you know, our, our cliques, our groups, whatever. And they just get invited by someone like, yeah, come along. But if you mess up like that, you know, people are going to remember that Mm -hmm. and they know that. So sometimes they just leave and they don't show back up. So that's on them. Would you say that there's more males or females in that industry? I feel I feel like most people probably think it's a more male oriented industry, but I feel like they almost forget like there's females in it too. No, there definitely more males. It's uh, like I said earlier, it's like ninety percent of it is fight scenes, and in a fight, all these fight scenes. Think of any movie, you know. Usually, there's just some like some goons. All you're in is like a t-shirt and a jacket, or you're you're in a suit. It's always men fighting. It's always there's there's some women in there you know it's it's becoming more inclusive which is good because in atlanta there's only like two asian girls for like the whole city so they work all the time but that just tells you there's not enough women like they got to fly in asian women from la la sometimes just to you know suffice for a scene you know so it, it definitely is more male oriented so i wanted to kind of go through the whole process we'll, we'll start from the beginning though like what is an audit? Like, do you have to audition for it or like, kind of, do you just get to call like, Hey, this is, we know what your work is and this is, you're getting a role. Dude. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's that sometimes like with uh, COVID and everything now, they want you to send in an audition. And I know a lot of people I have never, like I said, I was wanted to be an actor. I've never had any formal acting training. Like when I did the marksman, my first ever anything, I just, I went into all our, that coordinator up in Cleveland called some of us uh, white guys because he, on his team, because they, they say on the call sheet, we need a white, a white stunt performer who can act just to play a cop sometimes. And they're, they're very blatant sometimes in describing what they need. And like, you have to be okay with being called this or that, you know, just for the scene. But uh, sorry. Audition. Yeah, audition. Yeah, totally forgot where I was going with that. Audition. So for auditions, I know people who have like a room in their house who are just dedicated to auditions. But me, I just kind of set my phone up on something and I just do something like I'll set it on the windowsill and I'll just do the scene. Usually if there's like other lines in the in the uh a script they want another person to read those other lines but most of the time if they want me like like for back in february i did a film called shirley and i was playing a cop and i had no clue that they were going to give me lines i just thought i was they wanted me driving a cop car and uh, bring it you know to a skidding halt but they right there and then like as soon as we came to shoot the scene they they came up to me they said we want you to do these lines i said okay so any time i've auditioned for lines like it's always cop stuff anytime I've read for anything. So I guess I play a cop really well. I, I was going to ask how many cop. times have you been a cop? <laughs> Dude, I've, I've been a cop. It's one. It's been over. It's been almost like 10 times I've played <laughs> cop and, you know, military as well. Cause I just got that look. I get told that all the time, you know, you, you, you get, cause you get typecasted for some stuff, which a lot of people usually get discouraged about, but you know, really not, not me. I'm just fortunate for the work at this point in my career. And like a few weeks ago, uh, uh, my friend of mine said, yo, you are starting to get typecasted as a cop in military a lot. You need to make a 30 second reel just being a cop and doing cop stuff. I said, okay. 
So I, I, I called a, a camera friend of mine and, we, and another friend of mine who was wanting to do the same thing. Another friend of ours had this house in Atlanta that is, you know, just decrepit and we could kick in the doors and bust out windows. So we just went in, we just did like room clearing stuff, you know, busting through the door. We just kept resetting that and, you know, just simple stuff like that. So that's your reel is also an audition as well, you know, because you got to be able to font what you can. If you, you like something on your reel, like, okay, cool. You can do that. But the point is like, you have to be able to do that. 20 more times exactly like that mm -hmm. you know so that's i've never done a well i i've done in-person auditions for stuff but i've never had any sort of formal acting training which is what i mean when i say like like anytime they're just like okay cool you play a cop pretty well you read like a cop and it's it's but the stuff i say like in the marksman you know i just feel like it was so weird and cheap that you know, a cop would never say that but you know, it's, it's all goofy movie stuff, but, and then, but other times, you know, like this past week, the coordinator called me, he said, were you prior military? I said, yeah. He said, did you ever get qualified to drive the MRAP? I said, yeah. He said, okay. It was just over the phone. I'll see you on Monday. He, he, it's, he called me last week when he said that. And so sometimes it's just, you know, word of mouth, you know, you don't even have to audition. It just depends. That kind of answered my next question of, do you think that the military kind of like helped in your acting career oh, yeah. and everything? Oh yeah. I am very proud of my service. I love the time I was in. I did, I did six years. I was never, I knew pretty early on in my career in the military that I wasn't going to be a lifer, but it being, being prior military, it has with, I mean, with jobs, with career, with school, with, you know, and whenever I had to miss school for, you know, military stuff, you know, I never had to make that work up. They're yeah. just like, yeah, don't worry about it. And then in stunts as well, you know, I got, I was a firefighter, so I got qualified to drive, you know, all kinds of vehicles and you know, big trucks, which is exactly how I got on this film, you know, this past week. And I could, because when we did Cherry, they had to bring us in. It, it, they said it was helpful if you were prior military, so they didn't have to teach you how to wear the uniform, how to do facing movements, how to do this, how to do that. They were like, oh, you already know that? Bam, we don't even have to tell you. Because then, because they wanted us to be like informal security for the actor. So we were like kind of always around him. So that was, that was pretty cool. Today's episode is brought to you by roughnextpodcast.com. If you want to support the podcast, then head over to roughnextpodcast.com and grab you some of that Roughnext merch. We have everything from t-shirts, long sleeves, sweatshirts, hats, and many more. Stay up to date on the website for new merch coming every couple months. You can place an order and it'll get sent directly to your door. And I don't even take any of the money from it. The money gets put right back into the podcast to continue to improve it for you. If you can't afford to buy some merch this time, then simply just subscribe to the newsletter and it'll keep you up to date on all the new things that are coming. I appreciate all of the support you guys give. It doesn't go unnoticed. Let's get back to today's episode. So we are back after a random technical difficulty, but I wanted to, uh, so how long does it take you for a typical movie? Like, are you, do you do mostly movies? Like, have you done any TV shows or anything or is it mostly? Yeah. There are some, some TV, but mostly, mostly movies here in, in Atlanta. Yeah. 
So what, like, how long does the typical like recording process take? Like for the mo- whole movie, I feel like it kind of varies from movie to movie, but like kind of average, would you say? Anywhere from two to three months. And I only say that because as a stunt performer, we're not on the entire time. You know, it's not stunts every day. We might get a daily, a few dailies, maybe a weekly, three weeklies, or a monthly if you're on for that long. It's a very action film. But, uh, you know, it, it can it can be random. Like the one I just did this week, they said they've been filming since early March and they're going to be done by the end of this month. So like almost three months. So I want to kind of I've been waiting to bring it up, but I wanted to go into probably I'd say one of your biggest roles, which was the uh, Liam Nelson movie with uh, the marks, the marksman, the Liam Nelson movie. How was that experience and kind of like, kind of take us through like, you know, getting that role to, you know, just the experience itself. Dude, it was epic. I totally, I'm still blown away by it. It all, it all became, it was all a chance how I got on with them, but to how I got there. Remember when I said the guy up in Cleveland called some of his white guys to be, to read for this cop role. I read for it. It was the first, the first ever audition first ever reading audition to a casting director on camera anything and I got it and I was even I was surprised and I called my guy up in Cleveland and he knew I had never had any experience and I said dude I, they just called me I got it he's like really <laughs> I, I swear to god he's like he's like because he thought the same thing I was like wow and because there was believe it or not another guy on our team who went in audition we all saw each other there he's an actual cop up in uh mentor oh shit <laughs> oh gotta love computers yeah, always have know, technical dude. difficulties there, there we go but he he's an actual cop and we all thought we were all sitting there laughing like dude uh robert you're a shoe in you're already a cop they're gonna pick you but no they called me about two weeks later and i was at work when i was building ponds and they they said hey the director loved you you got it they we're gonna send you all the info and i just First person I called, first person I called was the dude up in Cleveland. Then I called my mom. I was like, mom, you're not going to believe this. And I basically, they went in, they gave me the whole costume and I was reading the line, like, dude, I walked up on set. This is the first time ever being on set. All the tents, all the equipment, all these people on location. And I'm supposed to read these lines with Catherine Winnick. And, you know, she was, she was awesome. You know, I, I had to get there. Uh, very early in the morning to do um, to do makeup and stuff and costume. And she she walked in to the makeup. They were like, hey, Catherine just landed. It's all this movie jargon. They said, Catherine just landed. She's on her way to the makeup trailer. And I was like, oh, I was getting, you know, antsy. And she she walked in. She had these like huge black sunglasses on, like some crappy clothes. She looked like she was hungover. And she just kind of had a bag and a coffee. She's like, what up, guys? You know, kind of like you know, Paris Hilton thing. And, uh, but she, she was very nice. She was, she was cool. And, but we did the scene the first time I, the first time I ran with that scene as we, cause we had to do walking and talking and they filmed it with the camera behind us and then the camera in front of us. And I only messed up the scene one time. I only messed up my life. And I, I do, my heart was pounding the first take, but we did the take with the camera behind us like 20 times. It really didn't take all that long to film. And then they can't, they switched the camera in front of us. And I read the lines and I did the whole like that, 
and I messed up and she, she kind of gave me an annoyed look because she had to she had to keep getting in and out of a car and shutting the door so I guess that was a lot for her and uh we so we did that and then I asked the the uh base camp production assistant who, who's in charge of all the base camp I said hey I hear stunts is going to be here later do you mind if I hustle and stick around you know even though because I was wrapped at like one o'clock in the afternoon I said, yeah. She said, yeah, that's cool. Just don't get in anyone's way. I said, okay. And then that day, the stunt coordinator of the film, Mark Vancelo, who was also Liam Neeson's stunt double, he was there. And, you know, I just, I, I, they came and I saw him and his three stunt guys from LA and I just walked up to him like, Hey, how you doing? I'm here. I, I hustled him. I, I was like, Hey, here's my, he was very cool. He, I, I gave him my headshot and resume, this and that and the other. And I said, Hey, can I, do you mind if I, you know, come here tomorrow and help you guys out. If you're going to be here tomorrow, he's like, yeah, that's cool. Come on here tomorrow. And, you know, I missed the day of school that day. I missed, I skipped school the next day at Ohio state. I was like, screw it, man. This is way more important. And, uh, the, the next day I just kind of stayed out of their way, but I was, you know, listening to them. I was watching them do their stuff. They, they did you know some simple stuff. And he, I was talking to, uh, Liam Neeson stand in who's like this guy like our age he's like six five like shit and he and all of a sudden Mark Vancelo walks up to me he's like hey do you mind he, he just walked in he's like hey uh what are you doing next week I said nothing he's like we're gonna have you come in on Monday and get in full costume because we need to reshoot a fight scene with Liam Neeson and you're gonna double the trooper Okay. And I just went, what dude? <laughs> all, all because I hustled him and asked to come back the next day. Like I could have went to school and I would have just, I would have never got that. I would have never been there. It was just on a chance and on a whim that I hustled him, which really doesn't happen all that often, especially stunt hustling now on sets. It's just because of COVID. Like if you're caught on a set and you're not supposed to be there, you're screwed. But this was, this was late 2019. And so, so the next Monday I go in, I'm getting, and I had to be there extra early because I had, I had to get a bald cap put on me and like a wig with like a thinning hairline and the, the whole trooper costume. And, uh, uh, Mark Vancelo, he was getting in makeup. So I thought the whole day, the whole morning that I was just going to be doing the fight scene with him. Cause he's like, Oh, he's his double Liam Neeson. You know, he's a big flashy guy. He's not going to be here. Well, he was in the chair next to me. He was getting, you know, his prosthetic nose put on to look like him and all that. And then we went out and rehearsed the scene with his stunt guys for like three hours because it was some, you know, you saw the scene in the movie where it's it's with that truck. The, the dog was being very uncooperative to you know, bite my arm. We had to do the whole thing. This is how it's going to go. And then he just looks at me when we were done. You know, OK, we got the fight scene down. He's like, now when Liam gets out here, you're going to have to do this. And I went. <laughs> like, dude, what? Like, I was playing it cool outside, but on the inside, I was freaking out. Like, I thought I was going to be doing it with him. Well, we get to the we get to the set, and Liam and oh, Liam comes around, and he was, dude, he was the most cool guy. He was he was so awesome. I just went, hey, how you doing? And he's like, oh, nice to meet you. You know, his, you know, him. He he's always talking in his Irish accent, and he, but he can just turn it on and off like that. It was so cool. That's what I find so impressive with some actors is like you'll hear them talk outside of like movies or TV shows, and you're like, that that doesn't even sound like the same person. So it's it's crazy. Have you ever had to do an accent for anything? Nope, never. Uh, they 
it's funny about my accent for the marksman with my scene with my dialogue scene with the actress that's my first thing ever that's what turned me off from ever i used to like i used to say when i first started like oh i'm gonna love all my movies i'm gonna always go watch them but the first time i heard my voice and saw myself on screen and the way i looked and just everything it completely turned me off from it and i'm just like oh my god i didn't know i had such a twang in my accent so i just screwed i was like so ever since then i haven't watched anything that i've been in really yeah yeah i just uh it just it's just weird but anyway with liam uh we did the scene you know a bunch of times you know the dog had to keep you know jumping out of the truck and i had a a forearm pad under the sleeve of the trooper costume but we had he it was hard to you know because this is my first stunt gig ever and i'm sitting here with liam neeson like six five like holy dude and just so much stuff going on through my head and mark vancelow he came up to me he's like i know like hundred different things going through your head, 20 different people talking to you. It's cool. You're doing all right. Just you know, relax. So that helped. So we did the scene and the dog and the dog. Um, oh, during the scene, he, I had to, you know, grab Liam and like keep slamming him up against the truck, but I was being very humble. Like I didn't want to like cross a line of like, <laughs> being, like very tenacious. Well, they, they came up after the first take and Mark came up to me. He's like, he's like, all right, this time I need you to, really slam him into the truck he can take it just do it so i was like okay so i was god all full force and afterwards the dog he kept going for my arm but then he kept going for my hand too you know he he, it was just a little collie little border collie dog but there was like a tiny little speck of blood on my hand and i wasn't gonna make a big deal but i'm just like whatever but liam he saw it and he's like oh yeah right i said yeah man i'm good i'm good he looks the set medic. He's like, where's that uh, Neosporin? He busts out a little pack of Neosporin on my hand and was rubbing it in for me. <laughs> Liam fucking Neeson. Dude, I will never forget that. And I'm just like shaking. And there was a there was a big crowd of onlookers to the set. And he went over and talked to all of the, I, I had a quick, while, while he was sitting there doing that, I had a quick one minute convo, you know, like, thank you, all this. And he's like, he's like, I love filming not in LA because LA is so flashy. Everyone's very rude. Everyone's this, everyone's that. I love coming to different locations. I said, well, thank you. I hope Cleveland was, you know, appreciative of you and welcoming and all that. But all this, all the onlookers, these people, he went and shook every hand. He was taking pictures with all these women and these women are just, you know, ecstatic, you know, Schindler's list and all that. But it, it was just, it, it was great. The whole experience was just fantastic. And then, Later on, we get back to set and I run into Mark Vanslow again. And I had a, I, I talked to him for like an hour because Mark Vanslow, if you don't know, he is one of the stunt legends in film. He's part of like the, he, he's part of Stunts Unlimited, which is the largest stunt organization in the world. He's the one in charge of all the Marvel live shows. Like you go to Disney in California or uh, Florida, he's the one who's always handling all that. I mean, this guy is just huge. So I was very, very fortunate to get to work with him and uh, take direction from him and the director on that as well, Robert Lorenz. You know, he, he's the one who picked me for the uh, dialogue scene. And if it wasn't for that dialogue scene, me hustling, I would have never been there in the first place. So the whole the whole thing was what that was a huge because also. And if you're trying to make it in the entertainment industry, it's you get uh, it's in my car, my uh, SAG after a card, like getting getting in the union. That's like huge. And it takes people, people years to get in the SAG union if you're trying to be an actor. 
a sound guy, a stunt man, whatever. That first ever film that I did, first ever anything, I got my SAG card right there because Mark Vanslow put it in for me. And they and that's uh, like a great word of mouth to get right there. Yes, good because when you have your SAG card, it, it's basically like if say you want to go for this career and you have to get the certification to let people know you're serious and it's the biggest next step and it's very hard to get. That's what happened for me. So I was that that propelled my career probably by years. And I was you know still so fortunate for the entire situation. So that was your first ever like anything you've done? A fight scene and getting knocked out by Liam Neeson. My first ever anything, dude. Not too many people, I think, can say the first time I got to do something was uh, I got to slam Liam Neeson against a truck. Oh, dude, when I when I first moved down here, people, you know, you, you start to make friends and stuff. And, you know, they see my Instagram or they see my IMDb or this, that and the other in my reel. And they're like, uh, well, I, I couldn't put it on my reel for the longest time because of COVID and it just delayed the process for like a year. But people saw that. They were like, dude, you had a fight scene with Liam Neeson? What? And it, it just it takes people's opinion of you, like how serious you are. It, it puts it at the very next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of talk about like it's kind of crazy how you look look at everything and you know it like how you went through that whole process and then like it wouldn't have been for this if it wasn't for that and it it kind of goes like back to the very beginning you have to give it a chance you have to take time because yes. if you wouldn't have gave that you know like even taken the chance to audition for that role you because like you guys said you had a, there was somebody who was a cop who could have been a shoe in and yeah. then you end up getting it and it's crazy if you give it the chance you give it the time you put in a little bit of effort all of a sudden your whole career, your whole life can change off of that yeah. one chance. Exactly, dude. You got to take what you need when you can get it in this world. And if you're given that opportunity, just go. Because I did think like, oh, I'm not much of an actor. I, it was only like six lines, but I, I was like, yeah, I'll drive all the way up to Cleveland unpaid to do that. And sure as shit, bam. So I wanted to kind of reverse it a, a kind of a second and be like, have you ever had something where you haven't got the role? And how do you, if you have had that, how do you kind of handle that? Cause I feel like you can't hold on to it too long because it'll just, you know, maybe drag you down, but kind of t- talk us through the process of, you know, not getting a role to, and, you know, having to deal with that. It, uh, it will discourage you and it happens all the time. And I learned a long time ago in this business, I learned up in Cleveland when I was still in Ohio, basically remember how I said for the, my first film, I got my SAG card that got me on cherry with Tom Holland and the next thing, I did three days rehearsal for Judas and the Black Messiah and as a cop, doing all these lines, pointing pointing guns at the stars of the film. You know, Keith, uh, Keith uh, what's his name? Lakeith Southern, Lakeith something. And the guy from Get Out, you know, I was with them. I was rehearsing with them. I was doing everything. It was, a, it was a long process. You know, the coordinator of that, Marno Stovall, I was very fortunate, but the guy up in Cleveland, my coordinator up in Cleveland, that guy I talked about sometimes, even I called him and I said, hey, I just got some paperwork from SAG, from SAG after the Screen Actors Guild saying I got my SAG card. And he was confused. He's like, no, you didn't get that after your first project. You didn't get that. Don't even worry about it. So basically, this was all within a span of a few weeks. Like these, like, dude, Marksman, Cherry, Judas and Black Messiah. Like I felt big. I felt on top of the world. And I basically, from listening to him, and he still profusely apologizes to me to this day about it, 
I unsagged myself because I was I was still green green. I still consider myself green, which is basically like means you're new in the business. But I was green green. And I didn't know any better. And Larnell comes up to me, the coordinator for Judas and the Black Messiah, and he said, "Hey, uh, are you SAG?" And I said, I, "I was confused. I was like, I don't know. They sent me some paperwork, but my guy in Cleveland here, Richard, he he said no. So when it, they were only casting, even though I had done rehearsal." rehearsal and stuff like that he had they you know still being paid that when it came down to shooting he said well you got to be sag and he kind of like didn't know he it was all kind of up in the air but if i had said that i had that i was sad because i was but you know i still didn't i still didn't know i missed out on that film so they casted someone else in the role but i learned even then i was discouraged i was really bent out of shape but i'm like you know what i knew one day i was coming to georgia i'm like can't let it get you. It happens. It happens all the time. People and it's people say, and even I now I agree and say anytime someone asks me that or getting on a film, I never get my hopes up. You know, like that guy called me last weekend to do this this past week driving, you know, the MRAP. I don't get my hopes up. I don't say anything until I sign that contract. Mm -hmm. Until I sign that contract, I'm not on. So it bas basically, I, I give myself props because I learned a long time ago, don't get your hopes up and don't get discouraged. Stuff changes every eight minutes on a set with a movie production. So, and you just can't let it get you down. Get on to the next. That's what I say. Put a smile on your face, you know, ah, oh, well. But one thing that does piss me off about that Judas and the Black Messiah role is because he knows how much money I missed out on and all the residuals because that was a six Oscar nominated film. And when I found out it was six Oscars, I was pissed because <laughs> the more Oscars, like, you know, the more money the film gets, that's more residuals, you know. Mm -hmm. So and I think about that and I and my buddy Johnny up in Cleveland, he was also on it and he he was sag and was on it and he told me about the residuals one day, like the residuals from that film. Oh, they're so good. And I'm just like, mm. I, was, I was pissed. <laughs> like it is, but it, it was my fault. It was, it was some of my fault. Some of the guy, I do blame him a bit, but we laugh about it now, you know, but now I know. It's eventually like one of those things, like just getting discouraged and everything. Like you almost have to just, you, you it's like the five minute rule. Like you get five minutes, get pissed off about it and you're going to be pissed off about it. It's fine. But eventually you have to move on because, if you hold on to that stuff, it's just going to continue to bring you down. It's not going to help you further down the line. It's just going to make things worse further down the line. And, you know, that's the relationships that's with friendships. That's with acting. That's with whatever business you're in. You go look at it. If you hold on to things, it's eventually just going to kind of boil up to a, and boil over and just eventually kind of mess everything up. Absolutely. You said it in every aspect of life, you know, you cannot let that flood your mind when there you need to make room for your future. You need to make room for stuff to fill your head with your future. If you're holding on to that shit, that resentment and you know grudges, it's it's not good. So when it comes when it comes to stunts and not getting a role, not getting a gig, said I was told I was booked for all this time, and then they're like, Oh, this changed. I just shake it off. Gotta shake just like when that dude hit me with a bamboo sword. Take that shit off and just go at it again. Go on to the next. So a couple more like acting questions before we get into some other stuff. But like yeah. I wanted to ask how many off the top of your head, if you can think of it, like how many roles have you done? I think I'm up to 12 now. 
I looked at my IMDb the other day because we did a few weekends ago, a few weeks ago, we, I got, I got booked to do a rigging gig and, and stunt and stunt performing in the stunt industry. Rigging is also a big part of it. And I was a rescue man in the military. So I know ropes, knots, pulleys, you know, all that we set up, we have rigging gigs. I have some, a small arsenal of rigging stuff, but basically it was just, you know, it's so, it was so simple, just two ladders, a pipe, like a metal pipe, and then a pulley right here to pick up this actress who was like, you know, some vampire thing. I don't know. But uh, we set up that rig. So I got a rigging credit. But while I was there, they pulled me on to do stunts because the actor that they were using there, it was such a went on the whim thing, which that usually doesn't happen. But I was like, wow, that crossed that off the list as well. This actor, he it was a breakaway two by four that he had to hit the actress in the back. He had to point a gun and he also had to get pulled by a wire when the vampire like, you know, shoves him. And uh and this guy, he just wasn't having it. He, he they, they had the confidence in him to be able to do it, but they were like, this, this is just not working. So the co- coordinator came up. He's like, dude, I got this rigging guy right here. Look at him. They're pretty similar in body type. The other guy had a beard, but they're pretty similar. So they were like, screw it. Let's just go. They just, we were in the, we were in a, a hotel, you know, those ballrooms and hotels. We were in one of them filming and um, they had it dressed up like an office or something like that. And uh, they just said, look, you guys just go into the, <laughs> they said, just go into the bathroom, give him your costume, Jared, you give, I was wearing just a long sleeve and, you know, gym shorts. And I gave him to the actor. I gave, I gave that to him. So we just changed it out real quick because I had to put my jerk vest on underneath the costume and they attached a wire to it. And I got pulled back onto a mat, like through a hallway. So it's just that it was like that crazy. It can just happen like that. How or what is the craziest stunt that you can say that you've done? Like, what is the thing that you do? You have anything that you're just totally against? First off, let's ask that. Is there anything that you're you won't do? Okay, I think about that all the time, and you know what? Nothing really comes to mind because you know they're not gonna they're not gonna call me. They're not gonna call. You know, it's it sounds a lot of people people in the industry we understand, but people outside, you know it can sound derogatory when they say, uh, look, we just need some of you white guys. Like they're not going to call pasty my ginger ass to do, you know, some Kung Fu stuff because it's literally when it comes to casting, they just say, look, we are looking for a light skinned black man. for This role You must be okay with this. Or they're, they said they need an overweight woman in this age range. You must be okay with being called a badass or something like that. So whenever I think, like, the, the, so I know, like, if anytime I get called, like, I'm, I'm still early in my career, I, I won't turn anything down. I, it, there's nothing that, like, I'll do car hits. I've, I've done car hits before. I love doing car hits. You know, I'm not scared of heights, you know. But so as far as, like, like I, I would have to have something put in my head, like, something I wouldn't do. But nothing, like, maybe something uh, with a tarantula. You know, I, 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 it depends. Like if I was just there for, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't say uh, no, but I would be freaked out for sure. But I think the scariest, not scary, but the most extreme thing I've done, like aside from all the driving and, you know, like being very, like driving that truck this past week, that big ass MRAP, you know, military vehicle, I was coming you know, this close from the camera. It was on a huge crane. And it, the timing had to be right when it was 
it was in front of me in my windshield and I'm just driving and it was just, so I had to be on point. This is a hundred thousand dollar setup, this yeah. huge crane, all these people at the bottom. So that, that can get pretty stressful. Fight scenes are always very stressful because you just, you've got to be on point. But I think the, I think the most extreme thing I've done was when I earlier, when I said they had a guy doubling this kid for this, uh, this Christian film something like a, it's like a God, not God's not dead vibe film. It's not out yet. The working title of it was life mark. And, but we shot it last year. The guy, he said he was scared of heights. They just wanted us to jump from a cliff down to the water, doubling this teenager. And the the one guy backed out. And then the coordinator called me because I was already on a rigging. And he said, Hey, you're like the next best. And you got to be do this tomorrow. I was like, he's like, have you ever jumped off a cliff before in the water? Like really high. I was like, yeah, I had never done it, but I was, I had jumped at least like maybe 30 feet. But when we got there, he said, you know, it was 60 feet into the, down to the water, which was, yeah, I was, I was up there looking down. I was like, oh my God, dude. And cause where I was like, there was a, there was my buddy, my stunt buddy who was hidden behind the tree. Cause they had the helicopter going, they had the drones, they had the camera on the boat way down there. They had a rescue boat right there. And I was asking him, I was asking the director before I was like, so I'm not doing a backflip. I'm not diving. I'm not doing anything crazy. They said, you just want me to jump off and just, that's it. They said, yeah, that's all we want. The actor said he is not, we're not going to allow the actor to do this because this is very high and you could, you know, smack and like really hurt yourself. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. And, but the day before it was in this rock quarry just south of Atlanta. And they said originally. They said the day before originally it was like eighty feet, but it had rained the day before, so it was like a very condensed like pond kind of. So it raised it up like twenty feet. So I, I think now if they're really being serious about that, dude, I'm not gonna lie. Jumping that first time, I did it four times, two times by myself, and then two well, times. Yeah, we can't do it once. We got to do it four yeah. times. Oh yeah. Well, well, the thing is, it, this was last April. This this was over a year ago. Now it was freezing cold. I tell you what, that water was freezing cold and it was so windy that day after the first time I did it. And I finally got that shock. All I was in was shorts and a tank top. And it, dude, that I wanted to stay in the water. Cause when I got out, that wind hit me because I, they pulled me up into the rescue boat. And then we went to the complete other side of the, the pond, the just like Lake to, uh, you know, reset. And the reset was like 20 minutes and they were supposed to have, that like they gave me like a, a robe to put on and I dude I was so cold like afterwards like my lips and my face were like purple because I was like you know jackhammering all day and uh they were supposed to have a Polaris Ranger ready on standby with the heat going it was one of the fancy ones with doors and stuff and I get there after the first take and it's just sitting there with the doors open not running I'm like, guys like I'm, I'm freezing my ass off and then so they dried me off as best they could uh uh, did any more, you know, covering of my tattoos, if if anything, and did it again. And then we did it two more times with two other stuntmen who were also doubling these teenagers in this, you know, film, whatever these these kids were just goofing around in the film and just jumping. But it was, I'm not gonna lie, the, that that that's what I was going back to. The it it was pretty intimidating. That's that first time that 60 feet, like three quarters of the way down. I was like, oh shit. And I started to teeter off. And it was, I I like I never thought I'd do that and be or be freaked out by it. But the next time I jumped, I was like, okay, gotta be a little more, 
in tune with this because I would jump, but it was so high that I would kind of like pencil in and land. They were, they were like, stop doing that. You know, be, be more spread out. The last take I did, dude, I smacked the bottom of my left arm, like really hard on the water. And it felt like I had a sunburn for a few days. That's why I was, you know, cause it was like 60 feet. Like say I smacked like it, I don't know what the, they say like hitting concrete at a certain height of water. I don't think it's 60 feet, but 60 feet, that'd mess you up. For sure. oh, I, I jumped off of a bridge one time going canoeing like you know one of the train tracks into the river and just that little bit smacking my feet like that hurt and almost, yeah. like, that's the thing is like you can smack almost anything like you could just how you land going you know at that speed you just hit the right way and it smacks how many cameras are usually <laughs> on a like for a scene because like, you, you just meant you know they had the helicopter they had the drone how, like is it typical to have a lot or is it normally just a couple it's 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 typical to have a lot when you can so you can get it from multiple angles if you're able to hide everything and like like this past week we were in this like military camp so <clears throat> all these military tents were in this huge field in this and everything but all the tents like you never know watching movie like here we have the crafty tent we got the sound tent we got the stunt performers tent so but they had to keep switching shit around whichever way the camera was going like say we were filming a fight scene it's just one camera because there's so much chaos you you couldn't you would see another camera over there but then they would change this camera to somewhere else remember earlier i said how i was had the acting scene with the actress uh sorry i was people i live with were texting me um they uh they would film it behind us and then they film it in front of us and just get different angles completely just going over the same scene that's how so whenever they can, they'll put more cameras in. You know, it just depends if you're on location. You know, it's all kinds of stuff, all kinds of variables. Apparently, I need to buy Zoom Pro. <laughs> um, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> There's that stupid time limit. Yeah, uh, I need to look that. I this is the first time I've had that, so that's weird. But I'm gonna end this one, and we're about wrapped up. So I gotta the last this should be the last one hopefully so i'll send you another invite in your email okay. all right sounds good another technical difficulty apparently zoom has updated their stuff to where you have to buy it it's no longer free so this <laughs> added another expense to the podcast but you'll have they, that they <sighs> were not making enough money man that's how these companies are apparently not i mean i feel like they made a lot of money through covid and now that covid's over people's kind of stopped using it and uh so it's kind of gone downhill a little bit i might ha or i might just switch to google uh me whatever dude we were talking about that actually this week we have to get covid tested two to three times Whoa. a week and it's oh yeah it's that pcr where they like try to tickle your brain through the nose and it's and it's a rapid test. They say in like 15 minutes, we'll let you know if you're on today or not. And we were sitting there talking. It's, it, it's on the side of the Sprinter van. It was his business cameo uh, spelled with a K and mobile uh, testing solution, something with COVID like, dude, it's a business now. It's like, where are these people going to go when, you know, productions one day are going to stop testing and they're spending because everyone, everyone can't stand it. Everyone hates it. Like it is just such an inconvenience to, like the whole the whole day will be stopped because everyone has to test everyone who's coming near set and they're just it's it's funny in the industry in the industry it's called covid police because on sets they're literally just people walking around saying can you put your mask up you know it's and people are just 
we're getting tired of it but everyone there comes a point where it gets like i get it like at first and then there comes a point where people are like you know what can we just move on with our lives please yeah we were we were talking to like okay wait a minute we all tested like okay 20 of us stunt drivers because there's two of us in those m wraps like 15 humvees whatever everybody else all the extras all the crew everyone tested and everyone was cleared so what's with the mass today yeah but that's a whole other subject on its own yeah um so i wanted to we'll get into the final things of the podcast um you know i wanted to kind of talk about one of my favorite questions that i ask all of my guests is you know and i feel like this is going to be a fun one for you is if you could go back in time and tell your 16 year old self one thing what would it be And the hard part is, I feel like for a lot of people, it's only one thing. Quit drinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, don't don't sweat the small stuff. You know, there there's some stuff. Even I I I I praise that. I preach that. But there there are some aspects of my life, you know, just petty stuff, just to myself that I'm I sweat a lot. To you know, the small stuff. It's just we're all going through life. There's much more important things than, you know, whatever, like it's, you know, 10 seconds out of your day. Oh, this was only like, you had a shitty day on to the next. There's definitely some points since I was 16 to now that, you know, maybe I could have done that better. Maybe, maybe I would have uh, gone against that situation, you know, gone over that situation a little differently. But I, if I had to say, what would I have to say to my 16 year old self? I would say, don't sweat the small stuff, focus on the big picture. You got a sweet life ahead of you. You know, it, it, it's what you make it. It's no one else. It's you who is making your life no one else. There's no excuses when it comes to how your life is running. It's all you. That, and it, I feel like that is one of the hardest things for us. Like when we're in high school to get over. Like it, it's all the little things when we're in high school. Like we all who likes who picture. Like it's the stupidest stuff that we would get mad about. And you look at it now, and we're like, "Why?" That like my problems then are nothing compared to what they are now. And like I hear my parents say all the time, you know, after I graduated college, I'm like, you know, I have these bills that I actually had to pay and stuff. And they're like, "I'll oh, just wait, wait till you have a family and kids and mortgage and all this stuff." And I'm like, uh huh. Now I kind of like we all want to grow up so fast when we're young, but then there comes a point when we're older. We're like, can I go back to when I? Oh yeah, dude, I changed my answer. That's what I would say to my sixteen-year-old self: quit wanting to grow up so fast and be an adult. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's not all the fun that it looks like it is. A lot of this adult shit, what's going on in the world today? It's not all it's cracked up to be. Uh, That's if I could write a letter to my sixteen-year-old self. Yeah, that's what I would say. Because I was thinking about that today. I was, you know, I was, I was really, to be honest, I was really nervous for this. I didn't know what to expect. I was, you know, I felt like I was going to be put on the spot a lot. I thought it would be more like our growing up questions, like more personable back to Ohio, but it was like more the, you know, stunts. So that was, that was nice. But, but the only reason I say that is because I was thinking, you know, back in the day, remember how important we used to think prom was? I was at the gym thinking about this, like prom, like prom was everything because right now, here, there's a lot of prom going on, like limos, and you could, like, I was at the gym, I was seeing people, you know, take all these limos, like, it's big down here right now, and whatever, and uh, I used to, we used to think, like, dude, that was the biggest thing we would ever do, that was, that was everything, and now, I think we all look back on it, like, you know what, 
I, you don't even remember it that well because it, it really wasn't that big a deal. You got bigger problems, bigger fish to fry today. So there, there's much more important things to life and happier things to life than any of that petty stuff we used to worry about in high school. Yeah, I remember I went my sophomore year because I was dating a senior, which, you know, I thought I was hot shit. You're like, you know, you're the sophomore at prom. You're like, yeah, I'm hot <laughs> shit. And then I didn't go my junior year. And I honestly still to this day am still grateful that I never went. And like, I don't know, our school, I guess, is apparently different than some of the schools in the area. People are like, because I didn't go because I didn't have a date. And people are like, so? And I'm like, I, I don't know, like, it's kind of a big deal like to have a, like, I feel like you don't go to prom without a date usually. Well, if we want to talk about that right now, I totally agree. Homecoming, <laughs> homecoming, you go without a date. Prom, no, you, don't, you don't go to prom without a date. Yeah, homecoming is really just a go to homecoming dance and whatever and then prom's like the more formal person yes. but it's still like it you spend all this time all this money yeah it's a cool experience but is it truly worth it probably not yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but this will move us into the best segment of the podcast which is motivation monday Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where I allow the guests to give the Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump to set the tone for their week as they listen on Monday morning. So what do you got for Motivation Monday? Dude, whatever you got going on in your life, whatever is hurting you, whatever that guy, that guy that pissed you off the other day, the whatever in traffic, anything in family, anything with your significant other or your cars in the shop, you know, all that stuff is very small because at the end of the day, you know, it's just you. You got your stuff to worry about. So for a new week, it's a new you. You can't think about stuff last week. You can you cannot hold on to that shit. So go into the new week with intensity, whatever you're trying to achieve, whatever you're trying to strive for, focus everything on that. Because if you're really trying to go for a dream, no matter what it is, if you're trying to be like a cosmetologist with your own shop or trying to start your own trade business in one of the trades, something like that. You have to focus all your time and effort on it. So as far as motivation Monday, whatever happened last week, forget about it. Just focus on this week, focus on your future because whatever has happened, it's gone. You're never going to get it back. There's no changing it. Uh, yeah. Attack it with intensity. That's what I'd say. I like that. And I remember it kind of reminds me of a thing that I heard. I think it was an Instagram, like motivational video or something, which Side note, your Instagram stories are the best Instagram stories. Like you will post a lot of them, and it is the only person that will post a lot of them, but I will scroll through every single one of them because I never know what I'm going to come across, and I laugh almost every single time. Dude, you are not the first person to tell me that. I love that I provide a good service to everyone on my Instagram stories because you, I swear to God, like three other dudes, uh, my old fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Witt, dude. <laughs> Everyone has private, like all these people have privately messaged me on Instagram saying, love your stories, love, <laughs> keep doing it. Because I think because a lot of the stories I repost, I uh, share, it's just a lot of them when it's not only strictly this, but when it's like a race thing, like when it's a black dude giving himself shit or a Hispanic person giving themselves shit and making the jokes, like if it was a white person 
doing that, I wouldn't repost it. It'd be messed yeah. up, but you know, stuff like that, or just like the, all the bike wrecks ever just, you know, kids, like when kids eat shit, you know, that's always funny. And you know, anything like, like a lot of times I like, I could be on Instagram reels, just going one after the other and sharing them. Cause even I don't think about it. Sometimes I go to, <clears throat> I go to look back at my reels and it's like so many of those little tack marks, like a hundred <laughs> different. And people, dude, people have told me before a friend of mine said, dude, every morning when I wake up and I'm like drinking coffee, I'll be sitting there. It's not Netflix. I'm just sitting here on my phone looking through Jared Coram's reels and just laughing my ass off. <laughs> I, dude, you're not, a, a bunch of people have told me to don't stop doing that. And whenever I get the chance, whenever I'm on, I have time to kill. Like this past week, I'd be in the truck. That's all I was doing. So a lot of times I'd just be looking through Instagram. <laughs> always reposting stuff just that I stuff that I think's funny and would and other people I feel like a lot of the stuff I share a lot of people wouldn't like I said the race stuff a lot of people would be scared to but like I kind of go the extra mile to do that so it makes people laugh even more like oh you're you're ballsy to do that or something like that you know but it's it's all in good fun yeah I love I definitely love your stories um but kind of going back to where I was going, um, <clears throat> you know, you talked about now I kind of forget where I was going, but, you know, it's your story. Like it kind of what, what's holding people back. It was an Instagram thing that I saw and it was what's hold, what is holding people back today is that people forget that they're writing their own story. You are the one with the pen. Like, no, you can't give the pen to somebody else and say, hey, write my story for me. You, then they might. They might. And you might let other people control you. But you have to sometimes for, like take the pen back from them and be like, this is my story. You have to rip those pages out. Don't forget about them. Set them aside because they're good lessons that you learned. But like you have to, you are in control of your own story. You are writing your own story. Stop. Don't let other people write it for you. 100%. I, I am a big believer in your life is what you make it. You can't blame anyone for the way your life is. There's no, if you're an adult, there's no one to blame but yourself. If you're not where you want to be in life, you know, it's always, you know, I, I just want to tell people all the time, your, your life is what you make it. You're, you're here because of your decisions and everything. You can't be bitching about that. You know, that's if, if you're not liking it, if something's wrong with your career, life, something, I, I don't know, your house, anything, fix it. Take time. I tell people all the time, make your priorities straight. If you have good priorities, you know what your priorities are that you have to take care of because at the end of the day, you only have yourself. You can't count on anyone in this life. You cannot trust anyone. You can trust, but you, you can't trust anyone when it comes to your own life. You can't. You can't rely on anyone. It is you at the end of the day. That's, you know, numero uno. And in firefighting, you know, we're always, you know, saving lives and whatnot. But, it, you know, it was your safety first. So if, if a person you know, was drowning and they're trying to take you down with them. It's, it's you first, yeah. then your buddies, then your buddies, then the victims. That's just a small example, but you, your life is what you make it. Quit blaming others. And if you were blaming others, separate yourself from them. Go to, go do what you want to do. You are who you associate with. It's yes. you, like, if, it, if you want to know what type of person you are, show me your five closest friends. It's they're the very cliche, like normal people, like you hear it all the time. But like in reality, it is very true. And there's been times where I've looked at well, who are the five people that I hang out with the most? Who are the three people that I hang out with the most? And then I kind of look at like, damn, I'm a lot like them. I'm I act just like them. And you know, I'm a big 
person i like to journal i don't do it every day but i do it uh, like often enough to where even this morning i was you know i woke up early on a saturday which is weird that i woke up at but i now you know you get so used to waking up super early that you just get up so i got up and i I started i did my journaling this morning and i was reading back on some of the old stuff and i was looking at like you know the time when i was down on myself and i was trying to put the blame on others and i was like but like now i'm at a very good point in my life and that was a a very down point in my life but i'm like you know like you kind of look and you're like who were you then and you're very glad you turned stuff around but it also makes you realize like you can't blame others for everything you are in control of your own life no one else controls it but you you can't blame anybody for anything you like and it's just the whole thing of um you're you're on you're responsible for your action somebody may say something that pisses you off if you react in a bad way they won if you just be like all right whatever yeah. like, I, I, know that's like hard. I know that's hard sometimes and even me i'm guilty of it i some more now especially recently, I just, you know, bite my tongue. But, you know, back in the day, it was kind of hard to, you know, let sh- let some shit slide. And, I, and I'm no stranger to it. You know, I've definitely used to blame other people for, you know, my actions. I've never took, you know, I hardly ever took responsibility for my actions. But, uh, you know, it, it was you first. You're the one who messed up. So, or in whatever. So uh, it's, it's, it's you at the end of the day as well with your actions. So you have to put yourself, you have to, what you're, you have to analyze yourself and think of how do I unscrew myself and make my life the way I want it. Yeah. And there's, I mean, uh, an example I have is like, I work at construction type jobs. So like, you know, the things said on construction sites, you get stuff where you're like, yeah, that like good thing. The HR didn't hear that. <laughs> but like, I remember being told things and eventually it used to start pissing me off so much. It pissed me off. It pissed me off. It pissed me off. And I tried and like go back at them. But eventually when you get to the point where you're like, you just go along with it or you just ignore it, they quit doing it because they're like, this isn't fun anymore. If you react to it, that's what they want and they're going to keep doing it. So if you just kind of go along with it or ignore it, all of a sudden they're like, well, this isn't fun anymore. Like it's bullying in a way, but that's not kind of like where I'm trying to go with this. It's just like. You just kind of sometimes just have to say screw it and just if you just brush let it go in one ear out the other and you'll you'll move on past it. Yeah, if these if those people whatever they're doing if you don't like it, you know get away from that situation, get away from you know all that because they're not part of your priorities. Mm-hmm. If you've already listed and analyzed your priorities, whatever if they're not the ones who's going to help you get to where you want to be, if all they're going to do is bring you down and you know piss you off, and you know if you might feel good reacting and feeling like you won, but if it keeps happening, it's exactly what you said. You know, you just, you're, all you're doing is wasting time. It's then your priorities are mixed again. So yeah, you can't, can't always be worried about what people say. You know, there's always going to be someone saying some shit. But with that, that's a wrap on episode 101. I appreciate you, Jared, for coming on. I probably have to bring you back on in the future. Definitely. Uh, oh dude, I'd be down. I love this. I love uh, having you on. Maybe we'll do it next one. We'll be, be able to hopefully do in person, so uh, yeah. we can make that. Uh, I don't. I don't know when, but yeah, I I come up. I I travel back up pretty often. You know, whether for a gig or uh, like this past time was a wedding. But usually, most of the time when I do, I'm like all geared towards like once I'm done with all that, I work on my house because mm-hmm. it still has a long way to come. But I but I enjoy doing that. I I really love 
working on my place. But anytime, yeah, in uh, the near future, whenever, you know, I'd totally be down. We'll definitely get you back on here. I appreciate you coming on. But until Friday for Fast Friday numero 10, uh, life is hard and it's going to knock you down just like a bull does to a bull rider. Don't let the bull of life walk all over you. Get up, grab the bull by the horns, and take control of your life. Roughnecks, out. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. If you liked today's episode, then be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with a friend if you got some value from it. Head over to social media and follow the Roughnecks Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to that YouTube channel. Don't forget to get you some of that merch by heading over to roughneckspodcast.com and subscribe to the newsletter while you're there. See you all next week. Roughnecks, out.